He is risen indeed. Everybody says it. We love that. That's one of the most popular things that's said on Easter Sunday morning. I have a follow-up question to that statement. Now what? He is risen indeed. Now what are we supposed to do? There is a heightened awareness of the gospel, the person and work of Jesus Christ during Easter. Christians worldwide are celebrating what many consider, and I'm one of those, to be the centerpiece of his work on earth. It is great news. He's out of the grave. But the question still remains, now what? Christ risen indeed is simpler to celebrate than practically apply to our lives. What does gospel transformation practically mean to you? So as you think about what you know about the Bible, about Christ, about the resurrection, about the gospel, how does that work out practically in your life? That's something that I'm always thinking about because I, I don't just want to grow in my theological knowledge. Yes, I do want to grow in it, but... As I grow, I want to proportionally and appropriately grow in my sanctification too. And so in this podcast, I want to talk about what it means to practically apply this wonderful Easter reality of resurrection to our lives. And so I titled the podcast, He is Risen Indeed. Now what are we supposed to do? Welcome to the podcast. I am Rick Thomas. You're listening to life over coffee. I started to say your daily drive because this is an article and well for six years running every time I did an article I put a podcast to it and I have almost 1100 your daily drive podcast and articles out there and so it's just a habit and I'm sure in the future I'm probably going to say your daily drive when I really mean life over coffee because last week I did my last your daily drive podcast and so we've moved everything onto one network and now it is only life over coffee now, if you want to listen to the old Your Daily Drive podcast or read those articles, you're welcome to do that because they still exist. We're going to keep Your Daily Drive, but we have put a lid on doing any more because it's more efficient, it makes more sense, it's more in line with our brand. Holly, a longtime supporting member of of our ministry was on our forum today and and she said I'm sad about your daily drive because I listened to it on my drive I think she said work on my drive to work daily I, and I responded to, to to her on the forum and I told her I am so glad that you are sad because you like your daily drive but she also said that she understood and she sees the reason why we moved over to Life Over Coffee. And so she's going to do that now. She'll listen to Life Over Coffee. And by the way, you, won't, you will not only not miss any articles and podcasts, but you'll get more. 
you'll get episodes, which are eclectic talks that I make on various topics, usually answering questions that people ask. Because of the number of questions that we receive on a day-to-day weekly basis, that's why I started Life Over Coffee several years ago. We answer questions on the forum, but I couldn't keep up. And so I started doing Life Over Coffee, and we have over 300 of those podcasts to go with 1,100 of Your Daily Drive. Still couldn't keep up, and so most recently we started a new new resource called Direct Messages from Rick Thomas. It is a supporting member resource only where I do video broadcast usually five minutes or under, and I put those on the supporting member website, um, the supporting member forum, and I have more than a dozen of those out there and, and only been doing it for a little over a week. But again, we're trying to answer questions. We're trying to be efficient. We want to serve our community. And so Holly's all right, if you're asking. She's going to switch over to Life Over Coffee. She did ask how to write a review, and so I talked to her about that as well. And so she's going to write a review for our podcast, and I would appeal to you to do that too. And if you don't know how to write a review, and and Holly did ask for assistance on that, and we gave her some assistance. And so if you need some help writing a review as far as how to do it technically, uh, please let us know. And we'll be glad to guide you through it because we want those reviews. We want those five-star ratings because we want to reach people with the gospel message. Okay, so this article and podcast, He is Risen Indeed. Now, what are we supposed to do? Now, I did something different in this article. I have never done this before in the well over a thousand articles that we have. But I, every reference to the gospel in this article, there are 17 times where I mentioned the word gospel. And every one of those words are hyperlinked to a message or to an article about the gospel. And so I mentioned gospel 17 times in this article. I linked each one of those words, all 17 of them, to 17 different articles about the gospel. And the reason that I did that is because this podcast and this article that I'm sharing with you is about connecting the gospel, this theological reality, to our real world practical functional lives. And so I thought, well, this would be neat. I'll just, I have so many messages on connecting the gospel, so many articles on connecting the gospel. Why don't I put them in one resource, which I have done here? And one of the reasons I have all of those articles is because a pastor from Missouri wrote me a number of years ago, and he says, Rick, I hear all of this gospel-centered, gospel-hyphenated stuff, but nobody's talking about what that means practically. Do you have any articles on applying the gospel practically uh, to our lives? And so I wrote a dozen of them for him. 
and just went through a series connecting the gospel to physical suffering, connecting the gospel to personal suffering, connecting the gospel when God is silent, connecting the gospel when God uh, uh, to loneliness, connecting the gospel to perfectionism, connecting the gospel to our arguments, and so forth and so on. Well, all 17 of those articles are linked inside this one. And the reason for that is, is because in the call to action at the end of this article, I am making an appeal for anyone who wants to go deeper in practicalizing the gospel in their lives. And so I have a gospel-centered life project. And here's what it says in the call to action. I'll give you the last part first. I'll talk about the call to action, and then I'll come back and discuss the article. But I said this, with every mention of the word gospel in this article, there is a how to connect the gospel to fill in the blank article. Connecting the gospel to everyday life is harder than explaining what it is. It's harder to do than explaining what it is. What if you took each of those 17 embedded articles and did a life project? You would spend many weeks learning how to apply the gospel to more than a dozen vital areas of your life. Will you take my gospel challenge? And so there is your homework. There is a a life project for a person who really wants to do a more in-depth due diligence study and practicalization of the gospel in their life. Now, also in this video, uh, in this podcast article, we have one of our more popular videos. It's 11 minutes and 20 seconds. And again, all this stuff's free to you, all right? Holly is the one that pays for this. Holly's one of our supporters. She supports us faithfully. And because of what uh, Holly's doing with her faithful support, we can give these resources away, which is super exciting to me. And so I have a 11-minute, 20-second video here on how to connect the gospel to your life. And it is wildly popular. It's been used and shared many times. And I want you, I want to make sure that you know this and that you make your way over to this article so that you can also watch the video. All right, so let's talk about it. He is risen indeed. Now what? What are we supposed to do? Though the cross and the tomb are mind-boggling, first thing is this good news did not begin, and it did not end in those places. We're talking about the gospel. The cross and the tomb are part. They are elements. I hate to talk about them like elements because they're so huge, so massive, but they are elements of this greater thing called the gospel. You see, the gospel is, is eternal. The good news is the best news ever heard, Part, partly because it has no beginning and, and no end. The gospel will never cease to be, which is one of the reasons why the gospel is so profound. The the gospel, Christ, was in eternity past, and the gospel, Christ, will be in eternity future. And then somewhere between those eternities is a timeline. In the beginning, God created. And then in Revelation, time will be no more. And on that timeline, Christ entered in he planted. He, he was born of a virgin, and then he lived his life, and then he died on a cross, and he was buried in a tomb, and then he 
rose out of that tomb and he ascended to heaven. But that, what's on that timeline, is not the beginning and end of the gospel. The gospel reaches into two eternities. And that is a profound understanding. The gospel will never cease to be. In the wisdom of the Father, when the gospel was here with us, when he tabernacled ab- uh, among us, as John talked about in uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, the Father chose to execute the good news. He chose to execute his only begotten Son and to, after that, to bring him out of the grave three days later. It was a profound undertaking from our Creator. We're talking about the gospel here. And though I have learned a few things about how to practicalize the gospel to my life, I have yet been able to touch the hem of the gospel's garment when I think about all that he is. You see, the gospel is like a multifaceted diamond. Each turn of the rock reveals a previously hidden facet that unfolds new mysteries designed to stun the Christian while transforming both the internal and external life of that Christian. I want to give you a peek into one of those stunning facets. Let's turn that gospel diamond and let's look at the cross aspect of the gospel. When Paul talked about the cross aspect of this diamond, of this gospel, he said this, God's weakness, God's foolishness, are more potent and wiser than people. That is a remarkable statement that comes right out of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. I want to read that to you. I know you know this, but I really want you to be stunned. I want you, your mind to be boggled as you just think about one facet of the gospel. Here is what Paul said. He said, talking about the cross, he says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, quote, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning. I will thwart, end quote. Where is the one who is wise, Paul asked? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? I think about this passage as I go on Twitter and just think how they have so much power, they have so much wisdom. No, they don't. Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. The gospel, the gospel is the power of God and the wisdom of God. And he finishes his section by saying, for the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men.
people, you and me, at our most significant, at our most vital, at our, at our smartest, at our most intelligent, we tap out. We run out of gas. We are fully depleted long before the weakness and foolishness of God begins. If the weakness and foolishness of God were at the lowest tier for his wisdom and power, then our strength and our wisdom are not even in the same orbit where he begins. It's like the smarts and strengths of a grasshopper compared to us humans. Wherever the, the intelligence and the strength of a grasshopper, wherever it ends, whatever the ceiling is on a grasshopper, that's where we begin. And, and it's similar to the Lord. Whatever our ceiling is, no matter how smart we are, the highest of the high IQ, the strongest of the strong, Whatever that ceiling is, God's foolishness and weakness starts well above that. Talking about a grasshopper, Isaiah said it this way. This is, this is one of my favorite passages in all the Bible that really puts us in our place. Isaiah said, do, do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and his inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in, who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness." That's Isaiah 40, verses 21, 22, and, and 23. And for those of you who are struggling like I am sometimes with what's going on in this perverse generation that we are living in, sometimes we can think that the smart people, the strong people, the power, the power people, the people who control the knobs on, on technology and, and the movie industry and the academy, and the, and the news media, they have all the power, they have all the wisdom. No, they are grasshoppers in his sight. It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. And we need to keep that in view. Sometimes people can truly be way too big in our minds, and God can be way too small. And that's why I am talking about the gospel, but I am only talking about an aspect of the gospel. I'm talking about the cross, as Paul articulated in 1 Corinthians 1, 18 through 25, when he talked about the cross and, and, and really just put us all in our place, telling us how dumb we really are and how weak we really are, and how profound the cross is. And for those who have been called, both Jews and Greeks, we are experiencing the wisdom of God and the power of God. We are the one with the advantage, not those who seem to have an advantage. It's a facade. It is a fake Hollywood set that the walls are held up by two-by-fours, and it looks good when you're down inside of it looking around. It looks like a real town, but no, the wind would just blow it apart. 
The title of this podcast is, He's Risen Indeed. Now, what are we supposed to do? Well, I want to I want to ask you a few questions as I wrap up this podcast, and I trust that will be beneficial for you in the call to action. And I, I, I want you to, I mean, for some of you, I really appeal to you to take me up on this gospel-centered life project. The word gospel appears 17 times in this article, all the way down into the, uh, the, uh, the call to action questions. And each one of them is linked to an article about connecting, to God, uh, connecting the gospel to our daily lives. And I want you to take this article and work through those articles that they're connected to. And just spend time saturating your soul in the goodness and power of the gospel. Let that multifaceted diamond just not just impress you, but let it transform you. We have so many people that, that do come to our website with long-standing problems. And like many of us, we call them sometimes life-dominating sins, where the shaping influences of their lives have been so profound and, and so exaggerated and, and so long that they're, they, they transform them and they capture them in ways that they can't seem to uh, get or to escape from. And so they come to our ministry and they're looking for help. And, and some of them, not all, some of them, they can tend to think that if they can just get here or get to a counselor or, or have that conversation, and, and several of them have said this, they, they just hope that there would be a, a magic answer, a magic solution, a magic article, a magic podcast that they could listen to and, it, and they would be they would be over and out of uh, their issues. But rarely does it work that way. The way that we change is more like evolution. It's slow and many times imperceptible. But as we keep doing the things that we know to do, the right things that we know to do, as time rolls on, we look back and we can see the change, the transformation that has taken place, even though it's imperceptible in the moment. And one of the things that I try to encourage the folks who come to us is to work not just in the moment or for this week or through this forum thread, this interaction that we're having, but make sure that you are working daily and weekly and monthly and we have seen that the people who have had the most change in their lives through this ministry are the folks that are consistently going through these resources. They're watching our webinars. And that's why we, last August of 2020, we made all of these resources free so that people can sit down and watch a one-hour webinar on the doctrine of repentance or overcoming self-reliance or wrestling with true guilt or false guilt or learning how to identify the idols of the heart. All of these are one-hour webinars on our uh, from our ministry, How to Overcome the Fear of Man. And there's so many more because... It's my understanding through my own personal life and also through thousands of hours of counseling people that it takes a long time to work through these life-dominating issues that we have. That there isn't a magic bullet, magic answer, or the perfect ar article that's just going to transform your life. That does happen every now and then. 
but the overwhelming majority of the time is that it takes weeks, months, and years of steadily grinding, moving through good gospel-centered resources, and we have a plethora of it and we freely give it away. And if you bury yourself in uh, these resources and then keep interacting with us, like say on our forums over a period of time, you will see transformation. The gentleman who has come to our forum in the last week uh, struggling with depression, I, I'm, I don't share names and like that, but on our supporting member forum, uh, that's one of the things that we are appealing to him to do. To it, it just won't. What he's struggling with is just not going. I doubt it's going to change uh, in a moment. That it's going to take time. And so I have this gospel-centered project here, and I would encourage some of you that you spend time buried in these gospel resources so that you can grow in the practical application of the gospel and be transformed by uh, you working out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, coupled to that, I have a few questions that I want to ask. There are five of them here, and so let me roll through them. Question number question number one is, how how is the power of the gospel actively working in you? Now, when I use the word gospel, I'm talking about Christ. That is a, a synonym. He is the good news. And so how is the power of Christ working in you? Well, that question is vague. I'm not sure what you mean, Rick. Well, maybe you can think about it this way. There is a snapshot of Christ in Galatians 5. We call it the fruit of the Spirit. And if you list all nine of those things, you, you would say that, that Christ perfectly lives out all nine of those things, love, joy, peace, etc., all the way down to self-control. And so what you could do to answer this question, how is the power of the gospel actively working in you today? You can take those nine elements of the fruit of the Spirit and write them in a list top to bottom on a sheet of paper or a computer screen. And then you can do a little a mini project. Uh, how, how are these things manifested in the life of Christ? And then how are these things manifested or not in my life? And that will give you a, the mirror of Christ. It will give you a good, illust good illustration. It, it'll give you a good idea of, of where you are and how the gospel is actively working in you. And so it'd be like a mirror. You'll be looking into the face of Christ, so to speak, as you look into those nine elements and you see how Christ lived them out through the four Gospels. And then you see how you're living them out in your daily life. And then you will be able to answer this question. How is the power of the gospel actively working in you today? Number two, in what specific ways are you profoundly affected by the death and the resurrection of Christ? And so does that move you? Does, does that have an effect on you when you think about the resurrection of Christ? One of the ways that the resurrection of Christ should have an effect on you is through personal suffering. You remember what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 1, 8, 9, that, that his ability to work through the affliction that he was experiencing in Asia 
was connected to understanding that God raised Christ from the dead. As he said, these things happened to me to teach me not to rely on myself, but to rely on him who raises the dead in 2 Corinthians 1, 8 and 9. And so we know that Paul made that practical application, and that's one of the ways that the resurrection helped him. The question is, in what specific ways are you profoundly affected by the death and resurrection of Christ? Number three. Are there areas where your strength competes with God's strength? Going back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 18 through 25, where we talked about the strength and, and wisdom of the world. And we talk about the strength and the wisdom of God. God will not compete with us. It will either be our strength or His strength, but both of those things can't be held in the same force. They are polarizing to each other. And so are you operating under self-reliance or God-reliance? That is the question. The temptation is to rely on ourselves, as Paul did, and then God brought a boatload of suffering into his life that broke him of that bondage of self-reliance to where now he was learning to rely on God's strength. And you see uh, Paul talking about that in 2 Corinthians 4, 7. He says that we, we have this treasure, this gospel treasure in jars of clay. And that is how the power of God works in anybody's life. It works through weakness, not through strength. But if we try to maintain our strength, we're competing against God, and it will marginalize the power of God in us because we choose to be strong. We choose to be wise. Question number four, are there areas where your wisdom competes with God's wisdom? As in, you know best, you know a better way. There is a way that seems right to a person, but the end is the way of death, as we learn in Proverbs 14. Sometimes God's way, it seems foolish to us, and therefore we rely on our wisdom only to realize that our wisdom was corrupted and we should have relied on God all along. The final question, how difficult is it to submit to the Lord in a particular area of your life? If you'd like to talk to us about any of these things, about this article, maybe something else, come to our forums and let's do that. Let's talk. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.